We're waiting on two other members to come on. We've got Sam Purchase from Young Axe and Bonnie Harrison from Southern Young Labour. Today we're tackling the big topics. The freeze of MPs' salaries. Julianne Genta has had a baby and she biked to hospital. Australia may have a new Prime Minister. You never know. It seems like a rotating door over there. And there's 1,800 new police. What does this mean for you? Well, actually, uh, the day that that announcement was made, there was quite a few extra cops out on the beat. It's almost like they sort of called in extra shifts just to say, show everyone that this is the real thing now or whatever. Um, I definitely saw about 15 cops that day that that announcement was made. I never yeah. saw I never really see cops so around it's just this, The day after the announcement, the uh, ODT ran an article with their new, um, one of the new cops down south. And I thought that was quite interesting that they timed it perfectly for after the announcement, they'd do a profile on a new cop in Dunedin. And I thought, wow, a whopping six new cops for the whole of Otago Southland. But, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. I, and so it was, I, I saw a bigger number than that, but yeah. that must have been for a wider area. Or yeah, it probably would have been for the the whole southern area. I think it's six. There were six six new cops just in the last like month or something, right? Which is exciting. But I think their goals are obviously a lot more aspirational than six. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that uh, you know these. Um, yeah, of course that was a coalition promise with New Zealand first, and this is kind mm-hmm. of um, you know one of those, I guess, law and ordery right wing of New Zealand first. Exactly, you know, it's supposedly yeah. a left-wing government coalition. Yeah. But National was cutting funding for the cops. Yeah, uh, sort of it's, it's even further right than National when it comes to, to, to police. the new police. That's yeah, right. Sort of and when we haven't had those left-wing reforms, like the Justice Summit is only just taking place I now, know, yeah. and any of the drug reform stuff has still been kicked to touch Basically, these new cops still have all the powers of the old right-wing yep. government cops. Exactly. All the all the law and order changes seem to be adding to what National has done, as opposed to, you know, taking them away. It's sort of a it's interesting, but yeah. And uh, it's um, yeah. I think uh, the other issues you mentioned, uh, the freeze of the MP's salary. Julianne Genter having a baby, uh, you know, what's what are these new mother MPs going to do without their pay increases? No pay increases. How are you supposed to, you know, be able to maintain a family and be an MP? Apparently it's impossible. Um, um, <laughs> no, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. This is uh, it's um, something in the water at Parliament, maybe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, We'll play some tracks. We'll wait for Bonnie to get in here, and yep. uh, we will cover all those subjects and more. Uh, and not to mention the uh, sort of miraculous uh, resurrection. Uh, I don't want to get too biblical on it. Yeah. Of, uh, of the Opportunities Party is back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unexpectedly. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we were here on this show with yeah. me just basically giving... The eulogy, I mean, I, I wish somebody would have told me <laughs> that yeah. they were going <laughs> to... But hey, launch, yeah. we got there in the end. So uh, we'll we'll analyze that in depth yeah. as well. New leader, new party. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Same old right. great policies. Exactly. <laughs> right. You're on the one. Firing on most cylinders here. Uh... 
and we will discuss the topics at hand. Uh, people may have noticed my absence uh, and erraticness lately, and it's been very busy, but uh, hopefully that's all come to an end now. You uh, finally come home. Yeah. The, uh, the Cannabis Museum uh, was very touch-and-go for a while there, taking up a lot of my time. Basically, had to be there every moment or it could uh, spontaneously implode. Uh, but that's all th- done now. Uh, and there's a fancy new cafe and a fancy new retail shop. And uh, all those guys are very competent. And um, I don't have to be there all the time anymore, so I can come in and be here now. So that's, that's really good. good. Very excited. Welcome back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one more shameless plug. Go down and try some awesome food at the new Fakamana Cafe and uh, buy some amazing uh, culture accessories at the uh, Greenstone Dispensary. This food. The, the ingredients. No cannabis. Okay. In the room. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've Elephant only, in the room. I only heard positive things so far about. <laughs> but the food. shaped, yeah. uh, shaped like cannabis as much as possible. Oh, I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the, I mean, I guess the other big uh, elephant in the room is the resurrection of top, uh, top two as they're calling it, which is kind of pretty non-futuristic for a futuristic party, if you ask <laughs> yeah. me. But hey. Uh, what about, I what about Toop, which is the other opportunities party? Toop. Yeah, the other. Toop. Oh, Toop. I thought, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a play on uh, the number two. That's That would be a, a horrible Toop. pun. Toop. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, all of the criticisms of Top, all of the, uh, I don't know, what would I call them? Uh, how did the leftists on Twitter put it? Helpful suggestions? Uh, <laughs> go kill yourself? No. No. Um, uh, no, all of those have been sort of enacted now, uh, all of a sudden, without anybody thinking that it was possible. So uh, changes? Well, I mean, just as we had, you know, when we were on here a few weeks ago, we I was giving the eulogy, basically saying it's done. I mean, as far as I knew, Gareth was pulling the pin, that was it. Uh, he controlled the board, so whatever he wanted would happen. You know, they're going to have this tokenistic pseudo-AGM, where I assume they would pr- uh, approve whatever his, you know, whims were, and, and that would be that. And apparently... You know, out of the many people who sent him, you know, a, a throwaway text, including myself, hey, mate, don't throw away all the momentum, you know, at least someone will run it if you don't want to. Um, he actually thought about that. And I guess when the right people approached him representing Jeff Simmons to say, uh, you know, it can still work, I guess he had a last minute change of heart. And um, now there has been a formal transition of power. The the existing board structure that was answerable only to Gareth because it was only Gareth and two other people who were his direct lifetime employees uh, is now made up of three of the um, more prominent candidates uh, of the original party. So that's Jeff as the new party leader, uh, Patty Plunkett, uh, who is a um, was a Wellington candidate, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, Ollie Wilson, who was the Timaru candidate. And so it sort of uh, represents, I don't know. It's the a good whole mix. Mm. Yeah, it's How very cross spectrum. How do you feel about Jeff as the new leader? Because I'm pretty stoked about it. I like oh, him. He's I really awesome. The one minute policy videos on Facebook were fantastic. Such a yeah. uh, he, he was, he the, was, he was the face of the party 
except when Gareth Morgan came out and sort of said some marginal and things. Some, that's right. Yeah. And, sort of no, and Jeff's funny. Like, he's very... Uh, he actually does stand-up comedy and stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, he's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Improv. I want a prime minister who can do... Yeah, yeah. He, he He's very... Um, you know, and he's just a really nice guy. Um, so, he's totally genuine. Uh, he's not really a dick in any way. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, some people have maybe found him a little dismissive uh but you know he's an academic and you get a lot of people coming trying to throw ideas at you so um you know everybody's uh entitled to that i guess but um it's interesting because it would have been nice if all of those changes could have taken place with a smooth transition before the election mm. uh you know if they could have addressed those before the election we but could have done Garrett better was too proud to step down oh him. yeah and yeah. and we were in too deep before the election was was definitely as basically non secretary but um there was the the famed meeting that was secret and then became exposed in the media after the election where there was an attempt at this peaceful transition to Jeff as the leader still keeping Gareth in as much control as he wanted uh you know with basically, you know, the hope that the funding would continue uh, from his end. Um, but for whatever reason, it just didn't, it wasn't able to happen. There was sort of a, a slight impasse, but seemed very workable from my perspective at that meeting of, of you know, having the transition be more than tokenistic. Essentially, the the transition as proposed at that Wellington meeting was that Jeff become the new leader but the board, this three-person board that actually controls everything, still say the same and stay with Garrett's yes men, and it would mm. just be kind of um, so. With this new structure, where the board actually is changed and kind of democratic control of people who are actually voted for in large numbers, um, that bodes well. Gareth is still involved in the policy end of things. Uh, I don't think he's going to be as freely spending uh, because it's not his vanity project anymore but he is interested to make sure that the policy stays on point and sort of doesn't stray from uh you know all the, the his life's work essentially developing that uh so i think that's promising i mean basically he doesn't call the shots anymore uh but he does provide the expertise where it's most useful and he does hold the wallet well he doesn't no. i mean no the money is going to be an issue we're going to have to find okay. money yeah Ooh. So we'll see how that goes. I think it'd be pretty easy. Uh, we do have the membership database. Great. So anyone who wanted to be involved previously, we can communicate to them easily. Uh, there's kind of uh, it's opt out for them now, not opt in to some new so random go thing that we had with to restart. Hat in your hands, jiggling coins. Yes, well, well, we'll be grassroots yeah. funded, no, you know, like any yeah. other political party, I suppose. And uh, you know, um, you know, I guess all those corporate pharmaceutical lobbyists that give labor and national money um you know i suppose we'd be, we'd be open to hearing from yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey boys call me yeah. um but no the policy is pretty much immutable for top so they probably wouldn't be interested in us as much as they'll be interested in national labor because they'll just change their policies to suit them whereas we won't but hey, <laughs> hey. Well, someone's on two percent uh, some are, some aren't. Yeah. You know, um, Pharmaceutical, obviously, very popular. It'll be interesting uh, uh, to see the the shift of maybe some green voters moving towards top after seeing the sort of green, sort of the burden of being a government, sort of having to lose a wee bit of their. Um, 
Well, let me just give away a little bit of top strategy if it's not obvious. And given that, uh, <laughs> you know, our, our listenership is very narrow here anyways, um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to hit we're going to hit everyone on the cannabis thing. I mean, that's wide open. The Greens did a great thing to get this referendum, but uh, they're not keeping labor honest about actually having it occur in a timely fashion. And um, I think uh, there's a lot to answer for for that. I mean, Chloe Swarbrick's great, but she should be demanding to know from Andrew Little where's the budget for the consultation process for this mm -hmm. referendum and, you know, why why is nothing lined up if it's supposedly going to be next year even. So... Um, that's one of our top priorities, I think. Uh, one, of the, one of Top's top priorities. Yes, Good that's right. Good, top, Good top. catch there. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, when it comes to um, the Greens, uh, they had a happy announcement in the form of one of their most senior politicians. Yeah. Uh, probably good that she didn't actually become the leader, uh, given that she's having the baby now. Yeah, Julian um, Ginta. Yeah, it'd be jag. a lot harder to... Uh, Jaguar. Yeah, so, I mean, she can she can be a minister and she can take her leave, and but it would probably be a lot uh, harder to, you know, put all the hours in that would be required to be the party leader as well uh, and, you know, still pay any attention to your family, which they, they want, you know, they always want uh, okay. from the mom. Um, and, and I think, I guess, you know, that's kind of one thing that's not, um, not brought up so much in the, you know, the, the workplace gender debate, like mm -hmm. parliamentary people having babies and stuff and say, can they hack it? Well, it's not, it's not to say they can't hack it, but it's like, um, it's probably the people around them can't hack it. You know, it's like the mom is relied on so much that, uh, and I guess that's the, I guess that's the inequality that people are talking about um, that hopefully should be mitigated. But I, I just, I, I can imagine that, um, you know, baby Neve is, you know, maybe she'll come to a place where she prefers Clark over Jacinda, but, uh, you know, I think Clark would prefer, every moment that Jacinda's at home given the, uh, you know, the exhaustion that he's yeah. going to feel as soon as he takes over mm -hmm. with that baby, so um, but yeah, it's it's going to be, yeah, it's happy for their family, yeah. for uh, Julianne Wonderful. Yep. Oh, it's truly wonderful and I think we're going to cut to a, a song coming up now, it's Cats um, by ASAP uh, Rock and Homeboy Sandman <laughs> Some hip hop for for Julianne's baby. Yeah. Flow you're, on, uh, you're on the one. I'm Vivian, I'm here with Abe and Bonnie, and we're going to dive into quite a big topic that's come up this week. For only the second time in 10 years has the MP's salaries been frozen at Parliament. It's a, a big call from Jacinda Ardern, and I thought I'd just dive straight in and go, what are your thoughts on this one, Bonnie? Excellent. Love it. Brilliant. Yes. Tick. <laughs> Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I expect nothing less. You know. <laughs> no, I think yeah. I think it is good. And um, I mean, what what exactly? Explain to me the mechanics of this announcement. Like, uh, normally they vote on it, don't they? Like they pass 
some sort yeah. of thing. I think John Key spoke about it. I might be confusing with Bill English. It's just, it was in, towards the end of the national government. I'm not yeah. sure who was leader at this point. Um, and he was saying, oh, sorry, I'm powerless to stop these increases yeah. to the MP salary. Ugh, sorry. Yeah. Um, while, you know, other projects went underfunded. I mean, a lot of things get underfunded in yeah. so, interest governments. Yeah, it's sort of like a, it's a government bill that gets introduced sort of automatically. Yeah. And this one's just not going to be introduced. So, like, right. the, the last time this happened was during the, the financial crisis in 2008. So 2008, 9, 10, and 11, there was no increase for MPs' salaries. Because of because the, of the, pressing the crisis, and there's a bit of an issue. Yeah. And um, then again, after the 2011 election, <coughs> straight back in, sort of just the normal procedural well, because I rem- increase with inflation. I but, remember yeah. noticing, you know, when oh, this back gets... back in your day. Yes. When, yeah, back in the day when <laughs> this back in the day. used to get voted through, I would always sort of cringe that the Greens would usually vote for it. Um, right. And I would think, you know, that just seems unprincipled. But... um. Now they're yeah. not going to have to go through that yeah. part of seeming yeah, principled or not because they're not even going to vote on it. Yeah, no. MPs get paid $160,000 a year. Starting. Starting. starting that's, that's the starting point. And if you're on a select committee, then you get a little bit more, And then yeah. if, which every MP is. And then if you get like a little bit, like you're a chair of a select committee or you're a spokesperson for yeah. something, then you get a little bit more. And then a minister on average is on oh, 300000 Ministers, party leaders. It's insane, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the resources they get is just huge, mm. and the increase is going to be about 30, about 000? about three thousand. I think it's oh. it it like, it like a, it like a, a just added a, a zero. Yeah, about a two percent increase, yeah. which yeah, is two three. when you add when you look at it when you first hear two percent, you go, oh, it's not too much, but it's really you know three and a half thousand dollars that doesn't need to be spent yeah, on just your basic MP. Times one MPs. yeah, Ooh. times one hundred twenty one MPs. Yeah. Plus ministers, plus everything else. Ends up being a bit substantial. Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly. good. And so, yeah, this came out of, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it's been directly attributed. Maybe it has, and I just haven't read the articles. But yeah. um, it's been attributed by journalists and pundits that it's because of these strikes and they need to make money for for the teachers and for the nurses. Yeah, that's sort of, yeah, can you really give the MPs a pay rise when you yeah. can't afford to give nurses oh. and teachers a pay rise? It doesn't sound rise? right, and yeah. it's also just not right. Totally, totally. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it's sort of, I mean, it's a, it's a, once again, a PR only move by Jacinda. No, <laughs> Virtue signaling. Uh, <laughs> I need a button that I can just yeah. press. Yeah. Uh, uh, then we could be like a real radio station. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Virtue signaling um, sting. Yeah, imagine that. That'd be the dream. We'll talk but but yes. no, it's it is it's it's true. Uh, it would have been it would have been fuel to the fire. Maybe it was already in the pipeline. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, but you know, as Bonnie said, things remain underfunded in multiple governments. Yeah. But um, it uh, yeah, at least it's not adding insult to injury. Yes. Yeah. I think yep. it's, just a, it's a great move. There's not much you can criticise. No, it's just it. like a, a good move. Looks pretty good. And if an MP complains, just look at that throwing the toys out of the cot. They've yeah, already got. They've already got 160,000. Yeah. <laughs> they get paid quarterly. Like they get yeah. a lot of money. But yeah, it is what it is. Right? Should we jump across now to the 1800 new police, which um, I'm pretty stoked with. You it's, must be. It's stoked even about. even more than what National promised. It's sort of a very direct. But we all know it's not going to be 1800. But at least it's a. Why focus is it not going to be 1800? It's impossible to have 1,800 new police over three years. Um, it's sort of, we've got a police sort of academy, and unless we want to drop There's the standard... There's not that many dumbass... No, yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> if we want to drop the standard to a level where we can get 1,800 new police in three years, then... It would be probably, America. Probably not police we want. <laughs> new Zealand, we have quite a high standard for our police officers. So to maintain that standard, to have 1,800 new police would just be a bit silly. There's a lot of people apply... 
a lot of really good people and a lot of really bad people. So it's sort of when you lower the lower it down, you end up with a whole lot of bad police. Mm. But I don't know, eighteen hundred is a good aspirational target. I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to like aim high, you know, shoot for the moon and just land in the stars, I guess. Wow. But you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's an inappropriate metaphor when talking about the police. <laughs> shoots, uh, yeah, shoots probably not the right. Uh, so. uh, 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 Abe, what's your perspective on policing? Oh, um, well, I, as we said before you arrived, I mean, I think it's kind of putting the cart before the horse in the sense that these uh, the justice summit only just convened, the drug reform you know proposals have been kicked to touch for yeah. who knows when in the future but we're getting the extra police now so without any justice reforms without any drug reforms we're going to put 1800 new police out there to incarcerate maori youth yes um, exactly. i completely agree yeah i think it's um i didn't like the idea of more police when national proposed it as like one of their heading policies yes I don't like why it is our coalition government like actually yeah. introducing yeah. that as flagship if like, you what's can't the point safer yeah. streets is, is the same yeah. slogan i heard from national and it means safer communities it's sort of like yeah <sighs> yeah it means the same thing it ends up yeah. being this just increased funding to racial profiling and other I guess, exactly yeah. exactly and increasing a kind of fear-mongering atmosphere in, mm. in our communities which we don't need yeah. if you say people yeah we need more police because you know every second person out there you is never know you never family. know <laughs> 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 so, yeah, healthy I don't think it's like, not New Zealand it's not New Zealand it's, yeah. you know every second person don't start believing every second person is a murderer I understand you know inc- on the funding, P on the, P. On yeah. the P. Yeah. I understand increasing funding so as to replace you know outgoing police and I understand the necessity in our country for the police to exist but um, I don't like the rhetoric surrounding increasing police. I don't I think it's healthy. And I don't. I, I exactly agree with you, Abe, that it's just it's not connecting with these other two things that Labour really wanted to do, which with the criminal yeah. justice reform and the drug... Well, and the drivers of crime, we know what they are. Like, we know that uh, the whole thing, the whole headlines around the Justice Summit is, um, you know... Punitive populism is a failed approach. Mm. We know that it creates more harm. Um we're not going to incarcerate our way out of this um, you know and then next week 1800 new police yeah. um, it's, it's this dissonance between what they're trying to do get less people I into think prison what we're seeing here is who is in the driving seat when it comes to the criminal justice within the government and uh, you're seeing a big policies from New Zealand First getting pushed yeah. right to the forefront here with the three strikes not being repealed and um, now this 1800 new police which are really things that Labour and the Greens wouldn't support in principle, but because of the coalition, the nature of MMP, we're seeing this is where New Zealand first again their two cents and you know giving back and yeah. I have faith yeah. in Kelvin Davis, I do, and I really hope I don't. that <laughs> it makes sense. You know, I do. I think he's a good spokesperson for Maori in prisons and well, he yeah he Maldi gets it. Like yeah. I mean, he went and stood up for the detainees in Aussie. He knows about the Circo nightmare, you know, in the yeah. privatised Auckland prisons. Um, so yeah, he's not he can't pretend ignorance if these things keep increasing and yeah. nothing's done about them. Time so. is of the essence though. I yeah. want yeah, I think him and Andrew Little, who I also trust with my life, 
um, should get a like bloody Andrew. move on. He should shave his beard, but no, he looks, good. <laughs> he looks hot. No, he should keep. Does it. he? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, why? You want a labour perspective here? It is. <laughs> why couldn't he try the beard before resigning? That's what I don't understand. Might have gone up in the polls, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know why what? Why should stay As a beard owner, isn't it kind of midlife crisis thing uh, that you uh, practice? You know. I've had this since I was eighteen. So oh my god. <laughs> when I shave it off, you'll know I'm having my yes. midlife crisis. That's right. Mm. Oh, holy uh, moly. <laughs> It was a good way to sort of move in with the, the policies in criminal justice. We've seen the first three strikes, um, like, uh, I thought you meant because down. so many criminal offenders have beards, I was going to be horribly offended. That would have been a better segue. Um, <laughs> it's sort of, it's interesting, the first, uh, the first three strikes convictions being handed out, or the first three strikes. Third strike. Third, so explain yeah. the three strikes. So three strikes, if you've got uh, committed three crimes, all of a similar nature, and all um, like they they have to be quite bad, so like the higher the worst crimes, like the category three crimes, like assault or rape or sexual assault, that kind of crime. Mm-hmm. You would do it for three times. The third time, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, you get the maximum penalty without parole. Wow. So what we've seen here is um, a convict who's um, or, Who and isn't it interesting though that <laughs> isn't it interesting that but it was an act policy. Was yeah. it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, isn't it interesting, though, that the you know in the discussion around the repealing of three strikes, which yeah. was mooted by Andrew Little as kind of his first uh, signaling virtue or otherwise really towards well. criminal justice reform, and it was vetoed by Winston. Yeah. Um, but at the time, the discussion around it uh, was focusing on the fact: well, this has never actually been applied. Yeah. Now it has been. Now it's been applied. So if there had been an a, uh, an example of the application of it around that time, mm. we would have um, analyzed whether it had been just or unjust. Yeah. And that would have contributed to the discussion. But because it yeah. hadn't happened, it was sort of like, you know, oh, well, we've never even used this. Yeah. And now yeah. The, the case we've got is a cookie cutter, perfect case for Winston and sort of, I guess, or for national people like me who think it's a good idea to sort of hold up and show, look, this is, You're a law this student is a, as well. Action. You do think this is a good idea? Absolutely, yeah. Why is that? Oh, well, if you've got a criminal offender who's been given a shot, given a second chance, given a third chance, and um, when it comes to the fourth time, you've got to think, well, okay, we've got to rethink this. Like, you've done it four times. We're going to lock you away and rehabilitate you properly as opposed to oh, giving you this sort of, I like... I don't think a maximum sentence, non-parole, equals rehabilitative sentence. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, rehabilitate you properly is a good question there. Um, yeah. uh, it, it, like Bonnie said, I mean, presuming our prisons are actually rehabilitative, which we... <laughs> Big we, presumption. Yeah, we, we kind of know they're not. Um, but it's, it's also... Um, te- well, tell us a little bit more about this case, Viv, because the nuances of this yeah. case... It's it's kind of um, well for a thinking person it really it it does uh, challenge your yep. assumptions. So it's sort of as a um, the first crime that was committed was uh, 2014, and the the convicted party and his father beat a guy into a pretty much a pulp. He was <laughs> in a um, coma, and um, yeah, really really quite horrific crime mm-hmm. and he went away for two years for that because he was quite young at the time he was only 20 22 mm-hmm. and um the court gave him a second chance to put you in prison for two years but what we're looking at is when you come back out we'll give you a second chance at life he came back out within while he's on parole still 
He um, assaulted a 16-year-old girl, sexually assaulted a 16-year-old girl, stalked her and held her down in a bush, knocked her out unconscious, and it was pretty horrific facts to go through. I'm just going to leave it yeah, there. Yeah, thank you. And um, so he got put in prison for another three years, still well under what the maximum sentence for that crime would have been, and um, was let back out. Um, and then within a few months while still on parole, he was um, convicted of domestic violence and put on home detention. And while he was under home detention, this is when this latest crime was committed, which was an assault, which ended up with him stabbing someone in the leg. And getting stabbed, stabbing in the leg, I think, was the, the big issue in this case would have been the distinction between stabbing someone in the leg and um, the other two crimes that he had committed in the past. And um, to put them in the same category of assault, what we're sort of seeing is... Um, yeah, well, there's, uh, it was another another offence that still fits in that category of assault, which means, by law, the three strikes kicks in. So he has had to be handed the full maximum penalty of seven years in prison. Because this is a man who was a bit more background, was a meth addict, and had drink, he admitted to drinking alcohol and doing meth every single day. And it's sort of a, a, a person you want to sort of take out of society because they are a danger to society. It's the easiest way of looking at it. It's not the kind of person you want just sort of wandering around the streets. But if every time he gets let out, it is a real, um, you know, it's it, there's a real juxtaposition there of here's a guy uh, who committed some really horrific crimes and was basically uh, given quite lenient sentences, uh, and then uh, now he's committed a relatively minor crime in the scheme of things. Like, you know. Uh, most of those earlier crimes, well, you'd have to say they were indefensible. Now, of course, that wouldn't prevent a lawyer from actually defending the guy, and yep. they would have, you know, provided their mitigating circumstances. But the final crime, the third strike, actually was, I mean, um, well, I guess in a in a legalistic sense, defensible. There were mitigating circumstances, as you say. It was a very small, a, a small stab cut. wound, yeah. superficial. Um, you know, intoxication involved things yeah. that things that would convince a judge to hand down a, a more lenient sentence in most circumstances. Yeah. But because of the third strike, they were forced to kind of what what most people would think uh, in isolation of the single crime was kind of overkill. Yeah. Uh, but when you look back at the past of the crimes, it's kind you know, of like well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the and that's Another, what I mean, like, it yeah. challenges you despite your, you know, um, nobody thinks uh, somebody who smokes meth every day is really yeah. going to be rehabilitated in prison, but then, you know, um, well, the question is, when is someone beyond rehabilitation? Mm. Who makes that call and what gets yeah. tried first? That's the biggest question. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not something we're going to answer in one minute. No. No. <laughs> no. But uh, we will leave it there.